0: In this edition of the podcast, the non fungible token. Is it the holy grail for the protection of artworks published online? Renowned modern surrealist Charles Billich has launched his first foray into the technology. We'll talk about that and about how far this technology can be stretched by artists and their dealers. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again, as we always acknowledge the original custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and listened to, and we pay our respects to their elders, both past, present and emerging. And thanks, of course, to Pixel Perfect Pro Lab at www.pixelperfect.com.au, whose continued support is put towards the transcripts of our interviews, along with the support from the Australian Arts Channel. Collecting arts-based video available on YouTube by visiting www.australianartschannel.com.au One of Australia's most celebrated traditional artists, Charles Billich, is shifting into digital art and non-fungible tokens, NFTs as they're called. His first work in the series is called Journey of Flat Earth and explores the recent upheaval of COVID-19 and the unknown of NFTs and blockchain. You may have heard of the Bored Apes Yacht Club, for example, selling for reasonably high prices online, and the artworks actually only exist online, and they are protected by NFTs. The same also goes for the CryptoPunks. There are about 10,000 uniquely generated characters. No two are exactly alike, And each one of them can be officially owned by a single person, purchased and protected by NFTs. And now Charles Billich is moving into this sector. He's been described as one of the world's most important living artists, also one of the most credentialed artists of all time. The modern-day surrealist has enjoyed a colourful, unconventional career and personal life. He was famously commissioned to develop the Bing Ma Yong Terracotta Warriors series in China, and his works have hung in the White House, the Vatican, and the United Nations. His famous surrealist cityscapes of some of the world's major cities combine popular landmarks and the energy of each location in unexpected ways. Currently, apart from Michelangelo, Charles is the only other artist who's been allowed by the Roman Catholic Church to paint from inside the Sistine Chapel. Now, Jeffrey MacDonald is the managing director of Village Alive, And to talk about the new direction in Charles Billich's work, he joins us on the phone. Jeff, thanks for chatting with us on the podcast. You're welcome. Now, in terms of NFTs, and they're very much in vogue at the moment, and it seems to be very cutting edge, but it's very significant having Charles Billich involved in this. Can you give us, though, a bit of a background before we get into Charles's actual work here? How NFTs work? Sure. I think there
1: is some Uh, misunderstanding about their true value in that an NFT is an identifier. It's um, the technical term. There's a contract. There's a a contract under the blockchain, but there is an identifier of the art attaching to the NFT. The NFT itself doesn't have the value, but it does attach to some art, which you do hope has value. Mm. And you can identify it. You can protect the intellectual property. You can protect the, not quite the copyright, but the ownership. Right. And when you move, when the world is moving into to digital art and you can email, mm. um, you know, a valuable piece of art because mm. it is just a PDF or a JPEG file or whatever, mm. um, it's it's too easy to, to just share these things and it's difficult to protect the intellectual property. Right. The intellectual property can just be passed on. So. The NFTs do create this unique marker. There is a, it's funny, it's a legal concept, first in time. So if you create a, an NFT for this piece of art, so imagine this, two people have a photo of something mm-hmm. and, and they both create an NFT and they say, hey, I've got an NFT of this wonderful, wonderful photo. Um, well, you have this first in time, which one was created first? So there you go. That's one way mm-hmm. of protecting your intellectual social property. Um, and... You have a marker. So that is it. That NFT, first in time, says that this is the genuine thing. That's where it can really help the world of art. Yeah.
0: And uh, is it like a code which is embedded in the work, Jeff?
1: Um, Not so much embedded in the work, but you do have to attach the work to the NFT Uh blockchain contract. Uh So when when you create your contract, you say, this is the piece of art. The, the JPEG file, the document, the the picture um, that attaches to this NFT, this uh, token on the blockchain.
0: And so this then tracks it across the internet, I guess, as it's being shared. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that the concept is well understood here.
1: It's not well understood, but you're right. You got it. it you can track it. It is publicly displayed on these um, uh, art platforms, on this NFT art platforms, mm-hmm. and, and you can see it. You can see who, who has it course, you do identify yourself. I mean, you, you use you know, code names and all sorts of things and and, and, and avatars as to who you are, but you know, Bob transfers it to whoever, to Sally, and et cetera, it goes on, mm. and you see it, and you see what price it was paid, you see when, you see who owned it. Um, so if you did, for example, have two photos of the same thing floating around, um, you could say, well, hold on, this was the first one. Yes. That is the genuine NFT. For what it's
0: worth. The other one's kind of like the forgery.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and if you multiply that concept around for the millions of pieces of digital art around the world, mm. you are starting to protect something that I'll say might be valuable. Mm. And and that's the question, what's a photo worth? Mm. What's a photo of your dog worth? Mm. Um, you know, really? Um, and that's where we have done something, what we think is unique for Charles Billich's art.
0: Yeah, and there's – there's no way today, I guess, that this can be ignored. If you are doing any sort of online publishing of your art, you really have to consider about attaching an NFT to it. I'm guessing,
1: exactly. Yeah. It, it is how I expect the world of art to move, I, I, and I think it is a good thing. If if you consider consider this, um, okay, you, you you might spend. Uh, certainly time and, and a little bit of money to create an NFT. Some mm. people say, I oh, would we'll do it for free, but you've got to spend your time. Mm. You've got to have a wallet. You've got to, you know, there's a world you have to enter. Mm. Um, but it might be a couple hundred bucks. Mm. Okay. Um, but consider this, um, I, I think the other day there was 20 million pieces of art available on the OpenSea platform, um, but consider um, art in your city you could go to an art gallery you could go to the local uh f- fate yeah. or, or the local markets and there will be art for sale what's the average price it is 100 bucks 200 bucks 300 bucks um, a lot of it you wouldn't want to buy so there is a world of physical art out there that isn't worth much money mm-hmm. isn't massively desirable and people don't particularly want to buy it well multiplied even further by the world of digital art mm-hmm. and that's what you've got. Mm-hmm. So so there's lots and lots of digital art and you might attach an NFT to each one to to identify it. But it still doesn't make it worth much money. Yeah. Depends on the quality of the art. And and that comes back to uh, collectible, you know, these bored apes that are selling for hundred thousand dollars each mm-hmm. because they're trendy or something that is quite unique, mm-hmm. something that is special. Mm. So there is a market for it. There's a market for the digital art that is identified and recognized and attached to
0: an NFT. Now, looking at Charles's work that's been specifically put together, I guess, for this project called Journey of Flat Earth. I mean, that's one of the aliases, I think, of of this particular collection. It has been produced specifically for this type of online distribution with the NFT attached. Do you think that art should be customised for distribution with an NFT attached, or do you think that any sort of existing art should have an NFT attached to it, if you understand where I'm going with this question? Sure. I'm not sure that I do, yeah. Jeff, but but maybe no, you could no, make sense of really, it.
1: It is a really good point, really good point. You use the word customised, mm. and that is what we wanted to do. We wanted to differentiate. We wanted to customise our art because um, every piece of art um, could have a photo taken of it. Mm. And there's your digital image, and you can then attach a non-fungible token to that digital image. There you go. So what what have you got? You've got a photo of a piece of art, and that's nothing, with all respect, (laughs) nothing too special. If if you've created digital art, Mm. that that, that in itself might be special, but still it is just a digital image. What we've done is we've had Charles paint a non-fungible token. Mm. That's how it started. It was quite funny. Mm. Charles. Said uh, Charles, can you paint a non-fungible token? He said, "What the hell's that?" Um, and he and and I'll, I can delve into it, but he came up with this what I think is brilliant piece of art. But then we brought it alive. We we had a an 3D animator turn it into a short film. That is different, and it is quite special. And it's different. It's it's not just the still piece of art. It is a a, a motion picture. Mm. Um, moving and and, uh, and that is the digital image or film that we've uh, attached an at nft to to say well we've got something a bit different something a bit special you get you can get buy the traditional art if you want it by the way um, but you're getting this 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 feature this something something different it's it's alive it's moving yes so we so we have customized it we've tried to be different um, so we're going to see where that ends up. Yeah. it might be one of the most famous things ever, or or, or not. I don't know.
0: We'll see. Yes. Yeah, so the piece itself, if we were to describe it, it's it it's typical of Charles's surrealist work. It's a combination, I think, of of modern concepts combined with, I guess, more traditional um, classic art, if you like, and set up in different layers. Anyone who kind of understands after effects will, will understand what I mean, how foregrounds and backgrounds move. It is a very dynamic piece. I think it is typical of what you might expect Charles to turn out in an animated form. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But unique, I guess, and really kind of reflecting what the opportunity that NFTs provide you you mentioned a little bit earlier regarding uh, blockchain technology, and this of course harks back to cryptocurrencies as well. And I'm guessing NFTs have they kind of come out of the same the same concept of, of trying to control something that would otherwise be uncontrollable across the internet
1: to a degree. I think it all emerged as a. a a trend, a a bit of fun, Mm. um, were like CryptoPunks and Mm. Bored Apes were the (laughs) relatively famous collection where there's you you just take one image and then you just change components of it into 10,000 different images Mm -hmm. and it became trendy. And and there's 10,000 of them uh, available to be exchanged and swapped and it was cool to be part of the CryptoPunks or the Bored Apes. And, And that's how it kind of started. And how did you track it? Yeah yes you had this nft attached to it so um yeah nfts gave the power to to exchange them to identify them but um i think it does come back to the the quality or uniqueness of the art Mm. i don't think there's anything fantastic about a a bored ape but other people don't agree with me they think there's something wonderful about Mm. it um and are paying lots of bucks for it so um i think it's here to stay yeah
0: Yeah. And and I guess one of the questions I have to ask is we've seen how technology has developed enormously over the past three years because of the condition that we found the world in. Is this as far as NFTs will go? Or do you think there's opportunity for somehow this technology to develop even further and, and perhaps help artists track their work in the online space even more than this?
1: I think it's gone as far as it can go. Well, I think what you and I have talked about is actually further Mm. than what most people have identified. Mm. I've really taken this to to the limit and and given an appreciation to NFTs uh, that others aren't aren't, uh, identifying, and that is that it truly tracks the art, identifies the art, and gives power to the creator, as they're called, um, to, to get value on their digital images. Now, that doesn't mean that these images are that unique and that um, valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 the world is out there still of, of um, uh, digital art, and some of it just just ain't worth it. Yeah. But yeah. if it is, you can track it. Um, the other thing is what happens is you can rotate the ownership in that. Um, as with all art, you, you, you on-sell it. These programs, because it is so computerized, these programs capture the the movement of the art, the, the change in ownership of the NFT, mm. And there's royalties. Yeah. There's ongoing royalties to the artists, so there's a greater incentive to to sell it, maybe to sell it at a lower price, because you then get uh, ten or fifteen or twenty percent royalty on the next sale yeah. and the next sale. Yeah. So 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 that it, it's really giving value to the artist yeah. to the extent they can create something different, and that's where we really turned our mind to doing something different. We've got a, a film. There's music to it. There's all sorts of things that make it. We think. Uh, a bit, a bit special, and Charles got into it. Oh, he was, he was rapt. He was dancing. He was thinking, "Hold on, I might be at the cutting edge here of the new world." A eighty-eight-year-old uh, explorer of the, of the new, the new, the new way. A leader in the new way. He was really, he was, uh, he was
0: jumping. Yes, well, I mean, he certainly has cutting-edge history to him. I think, as explained in the introduction, so not surprising, as I say, that that this opportunity is something that he's grasped hold of. In terms of media, online tracking of perhaps uh, music works and motion picture works has been a lot easier to do because of the establishment of digital fingerprints, for instance. Uh, it's it's very rare that you can upload a piece of music to YouTube and not get a copyright ping on it almost straight away. And similarly now also with uh, bits and pieces of, of movies and, and TV shows, all of those have digital fingerprints as well, albeit put together through a different technology than than NFTs. I think this kind of finally gives the canvas artist, if you like, and, and to an extent, I guess the animator, a real opportunity of protecting their work and tracking their work. And as you say, it's almost like licensing, because if the item is sold again, then a royalty is paid back to the artist, which they may not have received had they just sold the piece outright to the first purchaser. And then that's the end of the income from the work. So in a way, it's kind of like the canvas artist, visual artist, finally getting away to protect their works online in a way.
1: Correct. Correct. And if you compare uh, the cost, again, time and money Mm. of uh, I think you said uh, encrypting or fingerprinting um, some some uh, components of digital movies and things like that. I mean, there is a cost. There's a cost mm. in, in embedding those fields and then monitoring and yes, then tracking yes. and then saying to somebody, don't do it. There's all of that cost versus getting your NFT, yeah. putting it online and just watching it happen. So, so, yeah, there is a big contrast between two ways of doing the same thing, protecting one's intellectual property uh, but there's a there's a become a cheaper, quicker, easier way with these NFTs. So you're right.
0: And because it's um, blockchain as well, it doesn't need to be a central agency like there would be a copyright agency to be able to monitor this, right? Well,
1: the blockchain is in in effect that monitoring agency. the 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 publicity or the the um, public access to blockchains mm. um, allows things to be monitored. And there's a there's a self interest. Let's face it. Mm. If you if you're the artist or the creator. That's, uh, that's got an NFT and you've listed it, well, you're the one that's going to watch it. You're the one that's going to watch where it goes and what happens to it. So uh, uh, th- there is a degree of publicity about this this whole blockchain technology that no government owns it, no central yes. agency owns it, but it's there for everyone. Yes. That, that concept's there.
0: Now, going back to the piece that, that Charles has offered at the moment, now, I understand that's being made uh, available to people via an auction. Is that correct?
1: Well, th- that, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. We're, we're creating... Um, some variations on the one piece of art, so that there will be a number of unique uh, films, unique short films. So we will still have motion. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I have got NFTs of the art within this motion picture, this this short film, and that is really just really at the moment just showing that these pieces of art do exist. But we're we're not looking at simply um, attaching an NFT a piece of traditional um, art we, we want to bring this traditional art alive mm. um we also didn't want to just photoshop it you, you can you can have some very simple computer programs that simply um take bits here move them around mm. call it motion picture we we spent a lot of time and effort in a, a very good animator 3d animator doing a lot of work a lot of work yeah. um we, we're tens of thousands of dollars worth of work in bringing it alive yeah and uh so that's that's the, again is unique and also it's going to be in a form, and we will provide it in a form, it's it's nearly a gigabyte size file of the final product that you could put on a USB stick, plug it into your plasma TV at home, <laughs> yes. and press play, yes. and have it in the background. There it way.
0: is, yeah. yeah.
1: And there it is. There's, there's a couple of minutes of just this magnificent motion and all sorts of things. So, so you can actually watch it and see it and hear it as a piece of art. Not just, a, not just a still photo.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately, I mean, we, we have a lot of artists who listen to the podcast and gallery directors as well and curators. Ultimately, I think the great interest here is not only in the ability to be able to sell the piece and have it have value, but also in terms of protection. I think that's the ultimate, for an artist, that's the ultimate concern and the, and the ultimate worry is if I put this work out there, how can it be protected? How can I make sure that it is not stolen? And I mean, with the billions of people that use the internet, it's really hard to control that. So I think this technology, although for collectors, ensures that the provenance of the item is maintained, for the artist as well, I think it's a great level of comfort and security, no doubt about it.
1: I can I can envisage the the new era Art Gallery. Every art gallery having, at least at some place, uh, a, I saw a plasma 4K screen, um, and right next to it saying, Let us show you a thousand artists. Oh, okay. And you could just sit there and, Oh, there's their image. Next next, next, and you just stand there in awe mm. at the wonderful digital art um, shown by a thousand different artists because they just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Oh, all in the space of one plasma TV screen. Um, the world's going to change on this. And, and I know that there's been some digital art galleries um, opening in Australia where th- that is it. There, there is oh, yes. um, rooms full of plasma TVs yes. and whole walls full of the, the art being displayed. And that's that's been art for some time, but um, that's the, 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 the new way, so um, I, could see it, I
0: could see it changing. And, and certainly um, last year doing a few interviews online regarding virtual art galleries, art galleries which are only available online, uh, and there's a couple of those being set up, in fact more than a couple of those being set up, and in order to ensure that you have the authentic piece of art which is being displayed, of course... The NFT is going to enable those curators to be able to do that.
1: That's exactly it. So it gives the protection. That's why. That's why this is really a good idea. It really does work um, without the, I suppose, the the fallacy or the, the the lack of thought that you are actually buying the art. So you really do want to like the art. You like it. You respect it. You love it. Yes. And which which is the way it's been for years. Yes. Um, yeah, so let's not lose track of the art over the NFT.
0: Yeah. And of course, on top of this, as the piece of art, if it does accumulate value over time, then you want to mm. ensure that if you on-sell it, you are on-selling the authentic piece. And the NFT, again, uh, helps ensure that that's the case. Exactly. All right, so I think we've kind of covered off how this works, although some people may not necessarily understand the technology to ensure that it remains authentic, but we just have to have faith, I guess, to to anyone who's listening regarding that, that blockchain technology is well-established. It is used for cryptocurrencies around the world and certain commercial banks around the world recognize this. I think blockchain technology in, in the IT security world as well is a legitimate form of being able to track authenticity. There's no doubt about that. You, however, Jeff, I know you have a law degree. Do you think it takes that sort of head in order to be able to not just exploit this opportunity, but also to understand it and to manage it correctly?
1: No, I've tried to. Uh, well, I've looked into. I've looked into the terms of a blockchain contract. Mm-hmm and thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do here? So there's a, there's a depth you can go into and say, right, well, I understand this, and I've read articles on the internet, and, and I've listened to this podcast, and I've got, I've got a feel for this. You'll just stop and you'll say, okay, I've got good enough, uh, sufficient understanding, a good enough feel, mm-hmm. that'll do, mm-hmm. and, and, and let me go back to the art. Which
0: one do I like? Mm-hmm. And do you also see within, I'm not going to say the law society, but within the fraternity, that there will be law firms who will specialise in this sort of thing.
1: There's certainly already uh, a number of um, legal practitioners who hold themselves out to, to have expertise in blockchain technology and blockchain contracts, etc. Whether that's, uh, I don't think they limit themselves to um, the use in, in the art sphere or um, the use of NF- NFTs. Um, it's blockchain technology, and and because it is a contract, I mean that just fits beautifully within the legal world, doesn't it? Mm. Um, mm. Uh, you just wouldn't want to read one of them. <laughs>
0: um, but is there but, uh, is but is there an easy is there an easy way in is there an easy way in Jeff?
1: It it, it is complex stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, blockchain technology, uh, the whole world. Ah, oh, if you start to delve into the collectibles within this NFT world, um, as I was saying, the the board apes and, and alike. Um, that's when you're in, entering a whole new world. That's where um, the the um, enticement to own a board ape. Um, NFT gives you access to the club Mm. and friends and alike. So it's a lifestyle thing Mm. for those. Um, So you buy not just uh, the NFT and the fairly basic art, but being part of a group. Um, So it's very sociable. But then when you look at what they do and how they communicate and the platforms they communicate on and the terminology and the the minting of an NFT and the gas fees – it is, a, it is a different world, but you can break it down to the core of um, uh, an NFT is a contract or, a, or a, uh, an identifier of this piece of art.
0: Bricks and mortar art galleries have certainly been hit hard right around the world over the last two years because the footfall just hasn't been there. I can well think that the Billage Gallery in the Rocks in Sydney suffered similarly, particularly because of the lack of the tourist trade. Is this a great way of future-proofing An artist business? I think it will
1: complement what they do. uh, But I I, I think they really do need to um, differentiate between the traditional art and the digital art, the the new era art. Um, Quite simply, if if you've painted something wonderful, you still want someone to come along, fall in love with it, Mm. buy it, and put it on their wall. Mm. Now, if you have a photo of it with an NFT, I I just don't think that alone. Mm. Is going to be a new stream. If you turned around and said, well, here's my traditional art and I've done something with it, um, maybe just Photoshopped it or brought it alive or done something different, mm. yes, then that's a separate identifiable um, asset, as the words use, piece of art that people, people will love as well. Mm. Um, so I, I think, I think um, for identification purposes, if your art's worth sufficient, um, yes, you will use it to track it but as a separate stream, I think you have to do more than simply take a photo of what you've painted.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, artwork is all about the environment as well, Jeff, because sculpture and statue works in a certain space and people are drawn to it because of how it will work in a certain space. Same with artwork that will hang on the wall. Will that complement the environment that it's in or will it clash? If it clashes, well, perhaps I may not purchase for that reason. Mm -hmm. I think if you're looking at a high-tech NFT opportunity, you really want it to complement the media in which it is viewed, and that may be online or on screen. And therefore, there's a certain expectation as to how that may appear. So as you say, just taking a photo of a piece of art, adding an NFT to it, it holds probably very little attraction to a buyer. Correct. Um, However, if you make it work in its digital realm – whether that be online or on screen or, you know, perhaps in a, some sort of holographic emitter, who knows where this can go. Exactly. And of course, it, it more complements its, uh, its surroundings. So I guess I was kind of wondering whether this sort of technology is where art and other industries have had to reach in order to find a way of, as I say, future-proofing what traditionally has been a, a walk-in gallery experience.
1: I'm not sure about the chicken and the egg there, um, which started the NFTs to protect the future future of art and and the way it's going to go, or or that's just the way it's going to go. I'm not sure.
0: All right. Well, Jeff, look, thank you very much for that chat. I think it gives people a lot of comfort seeing that Charles has moved into this as well and helped legitimising the idea at least. And certainly the artwork is very striking, as you would expect. But as you say, it does work within... The realm that it is to be presented in, and I think it's a. I think it's a, you know it's a very compelling piece. To be mm. honest, there's no doubt about it. Plus the others that you say are, are in the works, and perhaps when people are listening to this podcast, they will already be published. So check it out on the website as well.
1: Right. So you mentioned you mentioned the journey of Flat Earth, and I, I mentioned earlier um, how it was created. So I just to to, to share that story. Uh, Charles and I were having a nice uh, red wine, and I said, Charles, you, know, you can paint. You can paint anything for this project. Well, what about this painting, an NFT, a non-fungible token? And that's when he said, Jeff, I don't even know what that is. And I said, well, this is what it's about. It's had a bit of a chat. And then in the end, he came back to me and said, look, you know, what it, reminded me it reminded me of days when um, people thought the earth was flat right? and people, everyone thought that was right. Everyone thought the earth was flat, but let's ta- let's make a change of like that. Why couldn't it have been a cube? Why couldn't flat earth have been a cube where you do still sail over the end of the earth because it's a cube, not a not flat like a pancake. So I'm going to make flat earth. I'm going to make it, yeah, flat. I'm going to make it, but I'm going to make it a cube. Mm -hmm. Why can't a non-fungible token take the shape of a cube rather than a token? Okay, Charles, why should I challenge your thoughts? And from there, he just went. He just went. And uh, you'll you'll see the art from there.
0: Excellent. Jeff McDonald, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. That's Jeff McDonald, the Managing Director of Billich Live, talking about NFTs and... As Jeff mentioned, Charles's NFT projects are hosted on the OpenSea NFT platform online. You can head to Billich.com for more info or simply search for Billich NFT in your favourite search engine online to take a look. That is the podcast for now. A transcript of this edition can be found at www.insidethegallery.com.au, where you'll also find links to our Facebook and Instagram pages and a link to sign up for new episode alerts. I'm Tim Stackpole. Bye bye for now.